0: This is episode number 160 of the Rising Man Podcast with Matt Cochran. Dreams are the honest words that some won't speak. Welcome back to the show, Rising Man family. Thank you for joining me here today. My name is Jetty Azuma. I got a little extra scratch in my voice <laughs> today. I'm hearing myself on the feedback. Let's just call it a somatic self-expression exercise that left me with a little bit less than 100% of my voice, but Needless to say, I'm here and I'm grateful that you're joining me today. Before we jump into today's episode and I introduce my guest, I want to remind you all to head over to RisingMan.org. If you haven't been there in a while, please go check it out right now. We have a lot of amazing offers for all of you guys who've been listening to the podcast. Maybe you've been dipping in and out, just trying to get your toes in the water. This is a great opportunity for you to jump in, to get more involved, more invested in the work, to become a bigger part of the rising man community we have so many more things coming forward this year that we're going to be announcing in the coming weeks and months but right now you can go to risingman.org and see what's already available to you there so you can become a bigger part of the community today okay my guest for today is matt cochran matt began as a wandering poet then an exploration geologist in nevada a surveyor mapper in colorado and montana and a wilderness guide in the southwest He earned an M.A. in depth psychology focusing on dreams and places, investigating the language of wild nature, mirrored through the language of dreams. He trained in rites of passage work through Animus Valley Institute and has been involved in men's work for the last three years. He's the founder of Raven Dream Tracking, where he focuses on being of service to men through dynamic dream work. In this episode, Matt opens up the portal to the wisdom of the dream world. We started by opening up with what we know about dreams and the dreamscape. Matt gave his insight into the importance of REM sleep and dreaming to a person's health. We talked about some of the crazy, bizarre, and obscure dreams we have and why it's important to acknowledge all of our dreams without judging them. Matt offers his take on giving meaning to dreams and the benefit of sharing them in dream circles with others. Matt also offered his take on dreams as an initiatory process, breaking down dream cycles and sequences into a traditional rites of passage model. I offered some of my own dreams and got support from Matt to dissect and process them going all the way back to my childhood. And lastly, Matt gave his perspective on how dream work can be utilized as an invaluable instrument in the personal growth journey for all men. Without further ado, Matt Cochrane. All right. Rising Man fam, I got another amazing man joining us here today, coming all the way from Boulder, Utah, not to be confused with Boulder, Colorado, Mr. Matt Cochran. How are you, bro?
1: I'm good, Jetty. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing really well. Doing really well today. I've been looking forward to this conversation we're going to have today about dreams and why, in your opinion, dreams are so important in this landscape of men's work. You're a man that I respect, a man who's been around and also in the rites of passage space for a while. So, I'm looking forward. This is a treat for me. Anybody else who's listening, that's just bonus.
1: <laughs> oh, thanks. It's a treat for me too. I've, you're sort of a lodestone and the magnetic core of lots of incredible things for men that are drawn to and to move out into leadership. So I've been honoring and appreciating that for a long time in you. So thanks for, it's an honor to be here. Yeah.
0: Oh, well, thank you for saying that. I received that, man. So, Let's not waste any time. Let's jump in. And I'll ask you what I ask everybody here. What does it mean to be a man?
1: Okay, so I have been thinking about it a bit. And in the guise of dream work and imagination, I've been thinking about boys as, you know, youngsters who follow their imagination. You have a boy, you know, they play act at being a firefighter, a deep sea diver, or whatever it is, but they're in their own self-absorbed world as if they're, again, play acting And I've been thinking a lot about this. And for the moment, for me, a man is someone who, first of all, has been initiated, okay? Then saying that, initiated, looks like, to me, a man who's taken that incredible imagination and uses it as a generative force in service of the world. And not only that, but I think what's extremely important is that men follow their own path, and so they become their own leaders and they're not necessarily following in someone else's footsteps or play acting a part that was given to them. That's where I'm at at the moment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Go ahead and rewind for about 90 seconds and take that in again. Because what you said about taking the imagination, the dream, if you will, and putting generative force behind it into service that impacts the world, that I don't think I've ever heard anybody say it better than that. And I like that you drew a comparison between the way we are as boys, that we're pretenders, we're dreamers, right? And so many times we vilify or lessen the value of being a boy, but that's an important time. I think that's the trial and error period where we get to, what does it feel like to be Batman? What does it feel like to be a firefighter? What does it feel like to pretend to be a doctor, to be a dad, to be fill in the blank? But then, like you said, to have this initiation and, declaration of stepping into generative action, not just the act of pretending and trying it on. Buying the suit instead of just trying it on, right? <laughs>
1: exactly. And generative action really is, is life-giving. It's not destructive energy, right? And then the other thing that this comparison goes back to for me is it mirrors the wild. And so, wild creatures like cats, when they're youngsters, they play in order to learn to survive. And so as boys, we're playing war, we're playing all this different stuff. And then, you know, it becomes real life as they get older. So that's part of the mix for me. Yeah. yeah.
0: You know how much I appreciate nature as a teacher and as a reference for life as we experience it. That's, that's a good one, man. I like that. So... This is conversation about dreams, conversation about initiation, Writes a passage. Let's start with dreams as an initiatory process, because you dropped that mm. one on me before we recorded, and I was like, okay,
1: <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> okay, well, off the cuff, I've found... Over the years now, I've been, you know, running dream groups and working with individuals for over a decade, I've probably heard 1000s of dreams. And then my background is I've, you know, I have a master's in depth psychology and studied dreaming. And so I have some formal training as well there. So I know the Jungian perspectives, the Freudian, and then I've studied ancient cultures and indigenous and so on, and tried to come at it from as many different directions as one as possible because coming from one lens doesn't do dreams justice they're too big as an initiatory process i personally found that i was subjected to a harsh series of dreams in my 20s and an ordeal where i was dying every night in my dreams for about six seven months many different ways and at the time i had no support and i thought i was going crazy. I didn't understand what was going on. And that impelled me into studying what dreams were. The deal here with dreams is they give us such radical experiences. It's easy to say that, oh, it was just a dream. But the energy when you're in a dream is actually very real. And so, the experiences we have inside the dream mark us like any initiatory experience. You
0: said something in there about... You said that dreams mark us. That's interesting. It made me think about some conversations I've had around tattoos. I had a guy on here was talking about tattoos as an initiation. So he used the word marking quite a bit. So when you say marking in dreams, what do you mean by that?
1: I mean that dreams invest us with energy. You wake up sort of on the wrong side of the bed as they say in the morning and whatnot. And a lot of times the emotions that occur in dreams are pretty radical from fear to rage to lust to whatever. And we wake up, we experience those emotions in a way that we might not even experience them in the day world, even a sense of love that we've never touched in the day world. And so, you know, that's what I mean by marked. They leave their prints all over us. A dream, it's an embodied experience. And so one thing we typically say is, oh, I had a dream last night. But what really happens is the dream had us when you think about it, right? It's like as if we traveled to another realm and we're taken in by, you know, something. We're out of body experience and then we're returned. And I'm going to circle right back around to initiation here and, and say just the nightly process of dreaming is like the initiatory process. There's a severance as your head hits the pillow, then you're in the liminal space of dreaming, and then you wake up and you're returning from that experience.
0: I love that. I love that you bring in the the stages of right, right of passage into it, because I know we've talked about that a lot on the podcast too, and so... For a second, I'd like to just take a brief departure from the spiritual abstract side of dreams and interpreting them, because I know there's a lot to glean from that. But just in your in your studies, in the, in the scientific process of understanding dreams and dreaming, I know it's still, it seems like it's still a very evasive area of study. We don't know exactly what's happening when we're dreaming or how we get to these places, but obviously it's a magical space. So what can you say to you on more of the masculine, logical, scientific side of dreams?
1: Right. Well, I mean, I think, you know, I haven't read all the studies, but on an evolutionary scale, you know, they say sleep deprivation doesn't affect someone from the lack of sleep, but because of the lack of activity of dreaming is actually what can drive a person insane. So there's strange phenomenon about what is our brain what is actually occurring while we sleep? What is dreaming actually doing for the human body? And I've read, I did read a recent report that my brother sent me that talked about how it's a way of keeping the mind active while we sleep, but active enough so it doesn't just sort of shut down in a way. So that would be, I guess, more of a logical. It's not a side I look at too quickly, but yeah.
0: Mostly this comes from my fascination and what you said there about sleep deprivation and that we don't die from the lack of sleep. It's the lack of dreaming. That's new information to me. I'm interested in looking into that more also because I know that a lot of these traditional ceremonies and rites of passage also have an element of sleep deprivation for lack of a better terms, but just not sleeping. And I know that the teachings I've received around that from the little bit that I do understand is that you're bringing the dream world into the waking world and you're inviting the dream world into the present conscious existence to blend those worlds together. It's a very sacred time. It's a very ceremonial experience where there's a lot of intentionality and even protection and guardianship that goes in because it's also a very vulnerable place. The part of, like you said, being on the brink of death from not sleeping and having that dream cycle, but inviting the dream into a conscious state where these worlds, you're, you're so in between worlds that you don't really know what (laughs) what's a dream and what isn't and this is and also to say that from those types of ceremonies and just dreams in general dreams have shifted the course and trajectory of human history there's people who conquered entire continents based on a dream that they had right or a vision for to use a different term so I thought I'd open up that door and see what you have to say.
1: Exactly. I mean, and the veils are very thin. There's a great book about the Iroquois culture and their dreaming. And one of their quotes was, you know, paraphrasing obviously, is that the day world and the night world, night world being the dreaming world, are two sides of the same maple leaf. And so the worlds run that closely. And it is sort of amazing These dreams sort of are... An example that we have a sacred life built in to our DNA, just right in there, right? And access to it by closing our eyes and drifting off to this place. And it begs the question for me is, dreams are a logical world. They operate, as James Hillman would say, you have to have sort of a poetic basis of mind to understand what's going on in dreams. And what I teach about dreams is I'm not sitting there interpreting a dream, but I try and teach the language of dreams, which works in metaphor, in symbol, in deep emotion, in understanding that poetic basis of mind, sort of a mythos rather than a logos, right? And for me, that's incredibly important for men to learn because, in a way, we're driven towards action and problem solving. And in our culture, a more logical and linear way to move. And dreams to me are incredible balance for bringing the depth and multifaceted layers of ourselves into the world.
0: Yeah. Well, let's bookmark talking about the meaning and the mythology of dreams and how that can be useful in our own development and how we navigate our lives for just a moment. Because the <laughs> the question that popped into my head was, I'm someone who's prone to have a lot, I have a lot of dreams about animals and stuff that I can, I can see a lot of symbolism and meaning. And it's almost, it's, it's very poetic. I also have these dreams that are just like bizarre, grotesque things that like I don't want to tell anybody about because they're weird and so i wonder what do you subscribe as the meaning and function to dreams like that where there's like you know people naked wearing leather helmets and like hitting each other in the head or something (laughs) not that i've had that dream but just
1: (laughs) me neither Uh, yeah i mean dreams are outrageous they can be tragic comedies they can be you know outrageous goofball things And after a while, you get an idea of the quality of the dream for you. In my experience, all dreams do have meaning, and it's about, and they can be huge tricksters and jokers in how they portray the information. And so, you know, again, there's no like one symbol for, you know, a specific thing in a dream. It's more the meaning that comes to you. So I don't know how to answer that question, except to say that in my, you know, working with dreams, images, specific images, specific people show up, how they show up as goofy or outrageous as they are, they are never random. There's a poetic logic within the dream itself. Uh, I don't know how to put that in different words until you dive into the dream and sort of tease it apart. It's hard to recognize.
0: Well, it's interesting because it brings up another question for me around, you know, in the men's work space. I'm a huge believer that I'm susceptible to believing my own bullshit. And that's why I need men on my team who are willing to hold up the mirror and show me the blind spots that I have. And when I think about dream work in that space, it's an easy place to hide out because nobody can know my dreams unless I share them with them, honestly, and tell them what's going on. And in that, if I don't share my dreams, honestly, especially the, you know, naked leather helmet people dreams, then <laughs> then I might be missing out on an opportunity for someone to help me see something I'm missing or believe my own bullshit and give all of the meaning that I have to it. Cause I know there's one side of it that I have to choose the meaning that I give to a dream. That's part of my sovereignty. But then there's also the part of it, I know, at least what I believe culturally, the role of elders and medicine people is to help interpret dreams as well.
1: Correct. Yeah. So, you know, that's why I teach dream groups as well. It's like a team, getting a team of men together to look at dreams. First of all, dreams delve into shadow territory all the time, right? And to me, they're actually very, very honest teachers, whether we want to see what's going on in them or not. But they bring up the the dark stuff, the hard stuff, the struggles, the ordeals, the parts of ourselves we don't want to look at as well. And when you have the container of a group or a team working on dreams, Uh, you know, you can, you have people are able to point out those blind spots more easily. In my own experience, I, I trust dreams in sort of revealing what the next layer of the onion I have to work at is over and over again. They've shown that. So. It's tricky, like interpreting a dream yourself is very hard work and our own ego, obviously gets involved our own dream ego even. So working dreams with others is important. And I want to say one more thing beyond that, and this might be for some further questions is dreams aren't just personal, they come to us personally. But, you know, many, many cultures believe dreams were for the community. And so, I've heard someone speaking a dream in a group, in a circle, and on the other side of the circle, someone starts weeping from the impact of the dream, as if the dream was for them as well. Because these are mythic stories, right? Mm. So
0: beautiful. I have a feeling that that's going to reveal more once we start talking about dreams and the role they play in men's work. So I know you're a huge advocate for this and you're doing incredible work already. Why are you such a strong proponent for dreams being brought into this space?
1: Into men's work? I think, well, I'll start with two reasons. Well, one is when it comes down to emotional terrain that for what I've understood over the years is the archaic and sort of base language of dreams actually has to deal with deep emotions, the way they feel. And, you know, for men, you know, we're supposed to, you know, traditionally in a way, we don't want to let all that loose in the day world. We're supposed to be somewhat contained and, you know, and sort of process that stuff. And because it's scary, you know, to let it all out. In dreams, in this different realm, the morality is actually different, Uh, much more morality, perhaps like wild nature. So the rage that someone feels and enacts in a dream, I've had many warrior dreams. You're a martial artist. I'm a martial artist. I've been out there with swords, cutting heads off, You, you know, who knows, but you can actually embody it and express it and release it. I've touched grief in dreams that I was not able to, I felt too shielded or too vulnerable in life to actually go into. And I've expressed it. I mean, I wasn't trying, it just happened in a dream. And I woke up released from that. And so it's one avenue for men to actually explore. And this is why I like groups of men, you know, dreams together, explore these emotions that might not be so safe to do in the day world.
0: Mm, That's really fascinating, man. Especially, I'd like to hear you talk a little bit more about what your obviously within confidentiality realms, but what your dreaming groups with men specifically look like and and what's available there, because that's something I've never experienced. I've definitely shared dreams with men before, but not in the space of how can this reveal a deeper layer of something that I don't have access to in my conscious mind that I haven't gotten to yet. I'm really curious about... Because that's probably the thing we all share about our dreams is that it's revealing something about our subconscious, right? That the deeper layers of ourselves that no matter how much work you've done, maybe you're still not willing to muster up and express that <laughs> with people in living color. So I don't know, maybe, maybe that opens up something for you to speak more about what this actually looks like when men are doing this dream work together.
1: Well, you know, what it looks like is Well, dreams just are great conversation openers. You might not know where to go, but say someone dreamt about it. They were enraged in a dream one night. So then a whole conversation opens up, which is somewhat taboo about anger, for example, and how that's expressed and ideas can come up on how to keep expressing or releasing that anger in safe ways. And a dream will bring that up in sort of a, a mythic way that gets everyone really excited, right? You know, you were, you know, in your armor, or you're naked with your leather helmeted, you know, thing, you know, do it. <laughs> so it's like, and it can have some humor in it as well. So for men in a group, you know, subject matter comes up that might not be got to normally. And Then the way that I teach is we try and act on a dream. Here's the quote, you know, how do we make dreams more real and reality more dreamlike? How do we walk? I'm saying this in a different way. How do we walk both worlds, you know, one foot in each world at the same time? To me, that's a true masculine, perhaps wizard. I'm thinking of your recent podcast on the masculine archetypes and the wizard. You know, dreams are really that realm for me. So how do we walk those two worlds together? Dreams can teach that.
0: Yeah, I'm just, I have, and I don't know how this is for other people. Maybe you could speak to the different ways that we dream or hold dreams, but dreams have always been really powerful for me. The earliest dream that I remember for myself, I was a child and I had this recurring dream as a child that I was sitting at the end of a dock. I'd never been on a dock before, but like I was on a wooden dock over a lake or, or a bay or something. And I fell into the water and I couldn't swim. And so I was struggling in my dream to swim. And then all of a sudden a dolphin comes out of nowhere and swims up to me and helps me back to the surface. And I had this dream. I don't know how many times I had it, but I had pretty much the exact same dream multiple times. And it's interesting because I hadn't thought about that dream in years, even up to this moment. But when I think about all the dreams I've had, there's a catalog of certain ones that stand out. I know we have dreams every night and I've had a lot of really bizarre dreams. I've had dreams that I want to forget, but there's certain (laughs) ones that just never leave you, you know, and I don't and I don't know why. I wonder if you have some ideas as to why certain ones might stick with us and why others don't.
1: Well, that. Right there is just an amazing dream, Jetty. I mean, Young uh, would say that our earliest childhood dreams, especially the repetitive ones, and some kids have nightmares, not the ones you did, and I can say more about that, but the repetitive dreams at most are trying to get our attention right? So, Jeremy Taylor, who is a sort of a classic Jungian who who passed recently, but a great dreamer, worked in the prison system with dreams and so on, said that dreams come in the guise of health and wholeness, and they may take on a negative form or not, but they're trying to get our attention with their deep emotion, good or bad, right? And so, you know, even the fact that here you are on, on the frontier, and I mean land and ocean, I mean... In a way, the day world and the night world, there are many different ways you could look at it. The primordial ocean, the deeps, and so on. Knowing what you do, you know, that's sort of who you are in my mind. You fall in as a child, you keep falling in, but you don't have the capacity at that age But then a creature who's so human-like and so playful in a way and has a connection with humans, the dolphins themselves, they're amazing creatures, as you well know, is the thing that comes and sort of throws, you know, comes to your rescue, to your help. And there's something really beautiful in that. And it also expands forward to other dreams you've told me about. So, you know, that's sort of a critical childhood dream is it might even, you know, and I'm projecting here, but it may have been giving you a training or a knowing of this is what your future is going to look like. This falling in, you know, then somehow having allies come and help you out and translating that, but that connection. As a quick comparison for me, Raven Dream Tracking, that's what I do, right? That's the name of my business. The first dream I had that really woke me up Happened when I was 20 or 21. And I was standing, I'm standing in a desert, and I see the footprints of a man ahead of me in the sand. And as I look down at his feet, a shadow comes from above. And I look up, and it's a raven sweeping down, wings outspread. And it comes right in, and its beak hits my third eye. I fall back and I wake up terrified. It literally hit me in the third eye. And From there, I started studying ravens. I was like, what is this? I I don't understand what's going on. And ravens led me into so much understanding of where I am now, not only in the nature of the animal and their curiosity and playfulness, but they're in every myth you can imagine, right? As the tricksters and the, you know, and the people who sort of ambassadors between the, the underworld and the day world and so on. So
0: I was going to say, thank you for sharing that dream. Cause I know that that's also a very, like you said, it's a very personal space that we can make public and for the community. So I appreciate you being a embodiment of that. As I'm checking in with myself and we're going deeper into this conversation, there's a part of me that is resistant to going too far into the dream space because I, it's a part that I don't have conscious control or command over. I've also had lucid dreams, which that might be something else we talk about later, which is a little bit different to me. But there's a part of me that just resists that because I tend to be a guy who I won't invest too much into hoping and wishing and dreaming because I like to be more in the driver's seat of what can I actually influence in my life. I guess it's more of a masculine focus. But at the same time, the dream world is so fascinating because I think about dreams where I've visited with my grandfather. I remember one dream that's coming to my mind right now is my grandfather, my dad's dad passed away when I was five years old, but I had such a strong connection with him. He really helped raise me those first few years of my life. And he's always been with me. And I had one dream. It was shortly before I got married to my wife where I spent a whole night with my grandfather and I got to sit with him and speak with him and ask him questions. And he like invited me to like, we were just exploring so many different elements that the the conversations I feel like I missed out on having with him because he died so young and I woke up and I just, I was bawling, bawling. And I remember just, my wife was there. She's like, you're okay. And I was just hugging her and just, I could barely explain myself, but I was just feeling it deeply. And so I know that there's I really believe in that. You know, I know there's one side of me that could say, ah, that was just a dream. That's just my mind contriving something. But there's these other experiences that we have of of connecting with people we haven't seen or never met before and the profundity of dreams I can't deny. You know? So I just share that because that's what is happening to me internally right now, is this balance between, well, it's just a dream and then but yeah, but I spent a whole night with my grandfather and he said things to me that I choose to believe are really real.
1: You're right. Dreams are infinite, fathomless. Well, and I guess I'm so used to them that they don't really scare me anymore, but I can see how they would. I do say when many people visit with people who have died in their dreams or are visited by, and the only thing I say to that is that's a gift. And, you know, what a gift that is. And You know, at the same time, I think that by learning the nature of dreams, you're sort of like running towards the roar, going towards your fear. If that primordial, fathomless place scares the hell out of you, then one thing I teach is how to understand the language of it. It's simply, to me, a different language, and if you don't know how it's spoken, it comes across as something completely. Ununderstandable or even terrifying and so there's capacity in learning the dream language and it's not just about dreams as you are hinting at and talking about as well this is just the sacred or the spiritual realm right and so to me dreams are one doorway into that and everyone's got a different pathway but mine has been that it's been my probably my most honest and consistent and wise teacher.
0: Yeah, well, circling back a little bit to the honesty of dreams. Going back to the whole idea of taking your mask off and being really honest with yourself, not believing your own bullshit, there's something really valuable in the honesty of dreams. Like I said, I'm sure everybody can relate. There's dreams that you don't really wanna share with people cause you're like, wow, what, what are they gonna think of me then? Or what? how would this impact this person if they knew I was dreaming about this happening? and maybe how, how much freedom there is in being able to take ownership of our dream is that is that part of the work too because I, I know for myself there's dreams that i don't i don't share with people and, and and if i'm being honest there's a part of it i'm like well i don't know what my wife would think right. about if she knew i had that dream or i don't know yeah. what that person would think about if i was you know cutting their head off in a, <laughs>
1: in a dream yeah exactly yeah and imagine if you had the you know self-reliance to suss out those dreams for yourself you didn't have to share them but you could actually have some meaning from them you know so the thing about trusting and in the honesty of dreams to me is we live in a world where spiritual materialism the next bestseller the next program we live in a capitalistic model and for a lot of men it's hard to trust the next thing that's out there right what I and I've been that way, a major skeptic, right? And what I've understood about the honesty of dreams is that, you know, they are uniquely crafted for me each night. They're not coming from a guru. So that's where I've found the honesty in them, if that makes sense. And it's something I'd say to men, it's something that you can trust. The tricky part is, again, understanding the language of dreams, because dreams without understanding is a whole different thing and inherent danger in my mind. Yeah.
0: That's where I'd like to come to. I've got one more question then I'd like to move into the language of dreams and and more specifically your work and how you help men with this. But something else is dawning on me that there's, cause you know me, man, I'm always thinking about like the functional application of this. There's a value I've gotten from my dreams that allow me to play things out in my subconscious that inform me of a lot. And for example, I'll be very transparent, like dreams that I have where I am intimate with other women as a married, very loyal, very committed man, where that happens in my dream And what it informs me of, I wake up and I'm terrified. I'm like, oh my God, did that really happen? And then when I realize it didn't happen, I'm like, oh my God, thank God that didn't happen. I would never want to do that to my wife. I would never want to dishonor her or dishonor my family in that way, right? But that my brain is playing it out because I'm also an animal, I'm also human. There's a part of me that has these real desires and curiosities. So that's a really safe place for my (laughs) subconscious to go and play things out and explore what that would feel like. But then to wake up and realize, ah, that's not what I want. I definitely don't want that. Cause I don't like how that feels right now.
1: That's great. I mean, it's almost as if, yeah, dreams are giving us experiences or I sometimes say they're, tr- they're consistently training us for other things. And I do want to suggest, you know, and something to look at, you know, for, for that dream in particular is dreams say many things at the same time. You've just put a lens on it and taken it in a way Literally, you know, and and that's fine. That's one aspect of it. Another way that dreams might reveal themselves there is, the female figures in the dream are just aspects of desire and how that works within your own system. And so, you know, what are the relationships that are actually going on there? But that would be my question. You see where I'm getting at. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, whenever I need to share one of those dreams with my wife, I'll make sure I put that language on it. Well, I was just yeah. playing. <laughs> I was actually making love to myself and the feminine aspect of it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. That's pure Jungian right there. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, so let's talk more about the languaging of dreams and bringing almost as like a little bit of a teaser of a toolkit that you provide men for interpreting dreams and working with them.
1: Okay, so a lot of what I talk about is, for lack of better words, I, I never can find quite the right words, but how to sort of unlock the dream. You don't want to dissect a dream in my mind or be objective about it. You need to, and this is what we do one on one or in a dream group, is you re enter the dream. You try and Bring it alive. And this is so a caveat. One thing I really want to say about dreams is they aren't just a psychological tool and they aren't just static in the brain or, you know, something objective science looks at brain waves and so on. In my experience, they are a fierce, viable presence, much like Stephen Jenkinson, in one of your past podcasts, talked about death and the radical hospitality of that. I treat dreams in much, many, in a similar way. You know, so dream language, again, it works in understanding the energy a dream invests in you, the emotion. Where do you feel it in your body? That's one level. That's sort of the base level. The next level we'd focus on is symbol, metaphor. No two people dream of the same snake, I always say, right? We can look up a, okay, a snake means this in the dreams, you know, dictionary. It's the kundalini rising or, you know, whatever it might be. But I always ask people, well, what's your story about a snake? What are your experiences with a snake? And invariably, it's different for everybody. So you have to start sussing out on your own autonomy what your own, metaphorical meaning is for things in your life given your experience and you start breaking your dream down around that and what happens in that process is a mythic story starts to build it's really hard to describe this in words and because the dream is so alive right it encompasses us so with the emotion with that then what i next would go into is i'd since dreams have everything to do with what's going on in our day world, I would say, well, you know, how do you think the dream mirrors what's going on in your life right now? And because you've done this preliminary work of getting into your body, checking into the emotions, looking at the metaphors, a story has been building. And usually it rhymes almost perfectly with what's happening in someone's day-to-day world. It's just on this sort of poetic level but it's giving information that you didn't know you had about it. Yeah.
0: Let me just give a synopsis of some of what I heard because the part about story really stands out to me. You know, we're always telling ourselves a story about our life and if we believe in authority and authorship, we we have the power to decide what that story is. It could be a tragedy, it could be a comedy, it could be whatever we want it to be. We subscribe meaning to the details of our personal narrative. So in the, in the dream space, what I'm hearing is we can take those dreams and weave them into our conscious reality in a way that serves us. And I think just like other stories that we have about ourselves, we can tell these fantasy stories that are not very honest. That's just only looking at a segment of what we want to see about ourselves, or we can have a really honest and doing some of this deeper unpacking of what that dream is saying and then weave that into the story that we're living in our lives to assist us in fulfillment of purpose, moving towards our vision, fulfilling why we want to be here in the world, uh, investing in relationships and connections in a way it's like having access to a bank, but not really knowing how to use the currency.
1: Absolutely. And I say it dreams are navigation at its finest. So yeah, I mean, absolutely. You're saying it just right. And so, you know, I just wanted to say, you know, my background before sort of the dreams and the psychological world was I was a mapper and a surveyor, you know, undergrad in geology, and I was a boundary surveyor in Montana, and I mapped the land in wild places, the northern Rockies, really. Incredible work. But it didn't explain the terrain for me and the mystery of the land I saw. It, it did something different all the mathematical equations and so on. So, in midlife, I went back and got a degree in psychology, not quite understanding why I was following this impulse. And I realize now that dreams are an inner map, and I've just switched my mapping skills to this inner territory. And that's sort of what dream tracking, right, as if we're following something and trying to understand its nature is to me.
0: Wow. That's really cool, man. I could even see the way that you've built a relationship with your dreams has helped you weave this narrative of your life too. I mean, just taking that experience of being a mapper and bringing that and giving, weaving that into the story of your evolution into what you do now. That's- that gives so much more depth to it other than just spitting out the facts. I used to go into wild places and make maps and now I talk about dreams. It's like seasoning that we put on life that makes it, I don't know, I don't know exactly what it does, but it makes it a little more exciting, a little more like something I want to engage with. It's way more exciting to engage with the life where you're mapping the inner soul versus just talking about dreams. Is it not?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah no totally and it's like i think dreams give us a sense of a man especially a sense of mythic identity and that's a dramatic source of energy that i think every man needs in order to fulfill the struggles and ordeals and tasks and responsibilities that life throws at them, personally.
0: I agree, man. I think there's something powerful we gather from that, you know, of having, I know a lot of guys, myself included, used to play video games and you have a character that's like your hero. It's like a projection of you and you get to live out your your fantasy world through this character and and conquests and successes and failures in that realm. So I know there is a mythic quality, especially for men. There's something that we attach to the heroic story. I know there's a lot, that's like a whole nother episode. I'm sure we could do another day. But <laughs> yeah, but yeah that's very valid. And I think recognizing that we are the hero of our own story and that we're writing that story and our subconscious is informing us at the same time that our reality is, that's... Yeah man it's like it feels like a more complete way of navigating the human existence cuz we're dreaming for what a third of our lives.
1: <laughs> yeah at least right? Yeah. A lot of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Very cool. We touched on some really awesome things man. I know you and I could talk about this stuff for much longer but we we do have to put a punctuation mark on it here. Before I ask you some lightning questions is there anything else you wanted to say about dreams before we start to wrap up?
1: Nothing that comes to mind just that Remember, I think it's important to remember that dreams are alive in a presence. And I know most men being men as we are, we want to interpret our dreams. But the whole idea is to just allow your dreams to work you, <laughs> you know, and consider them an animate presence and an ally, no matter if you go forward in dream work or not.
0: Beautiful, man. I love that. Well, thank you for everything you brought here today. I'll ask you these lightning questions and then you'll tell us a little bit about where we can go to work on our dreams with you and everything you're creating. I'm really excited about that. So you ready for the storm? I'm ready. <laughs> what is one thing you've learned in your life you wish you knew when you were 18?
1: That following your own path is really the only way you should go. I wish I had been told that.
0: I like that. And what do you think is the most important value to have as a man? Mm.
1: I don't know if this is a value, but following your instinct.
0: Love that one. And what do you believe the world needs most from men right now?
1: It needs, uh, I think I hit it on it in the beginning, but men of leadership who are bringing a generative force into the world and creating life-giving energy in service of something greater than themselves
0: life-giving energy in service of something greater than themselves. Can't put it better than that, man. I love that. Okay, so last but not least, where can people go to follow you, connect with you, dream with you? What's the what do you want to tell people? Where do you want to direct
1: them? So right now uh, I direct people to ravendreamtracking.com or .org. That's where you can contact me, find out Classes I'm teaching from groups to individuals to apprenticeships as well further in the future into workshops. And I'll say as well, at this point, in the next few years, I think I am going to be writing a book around dreams and trying to... uh, It's hard for me to find any book I particularly like so I realize I have to fill this void. So that's been stirring me lately. And anyways, that's where I'm at ravendreamtracking.org and uh, you can I'll get all my contact information there.
0: I like that and that's the first time I'm hearing of a book which I'm very excited to read especially given your unique interpretation on this in connection to all the work that I love and care about so I'll also say this you might have saw my right before we did the lightning round my eyes went up because there was a raven that flew right over my house oh, so no was,
1: way.
0: <laughs> you know maybe <laughs> are we dreaming? hold on a second pinch <laughs> <Yeah>. me <laughs> spin the dreidel right.
1: <laughs> that's the oldest text in the world right? the Zhu, the Chinese text text that said was a a man dreamed he was a butterfly. And when he woke up, he didn't know if he was a butterfly dreaming he was a man.
0: Uh Mm, Profound. (laughs) Well, Matt, I love you, brother. And I love your wisdom and your energy. Thank you for bringing that here. It's refreshing. It's also awesome to connect with a man from a different generation who has an appreciation for dreams and work and wants to give that generative life force back to his community. You're a great example of that, man. And I'm really glad we got to have this conversation.
1: Well, thank you so much, Jetty, for your smile and all your energy of generating this, actually, and my own dream life forward, because actually you've been a pretty crucial part and I can't take credit for it all myself. So yeah, this has been great, so thank you.
0: Awesome, man. Well, I look forward to having you on here. Maybe when you uh, start writing the first few chapters of that book, we'll get you on for chapter two here. That sounds uh, (laughs) great, yeah.
1: Otherwise, (laughs) It's a lot done pack.
0: Many, many more things to unpack, but yeah, thanks again for being on here today, man. Appreciate you. As always, fam, make sure you go to risingman.org to check out the show notes for all the links and resources for this episode and every episode of the Rising Man podcast. While you're there, get yourself enrolled, registered, and signed up for one of our amazing offers so you can become a bigger part of the Rising Man community today and lean into that growth edge that you're shying away from. Go ahead. Take that leap. Jump forward. Go for it. Subscribe and follow us wherever you're listening to the podcast. Check us out on Instagram at Rising Man Movement and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Rising Man Movement. Big love to the Power Squad, Sean, Rowan, Julian, Ryan, Mark, and Kyle, and everybody out there listening. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.